0: Welcome to We Do, the officially unofficial podcast for Watchmen on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season one, episode five, titled A Little Fear of Lightning. Uh, I can. It's understandable at this point why he might have a little fear of lightning, although he didn't get to see, really, the lightning. I suppose the aftermath, there was a lot of news reporting, <sighs> uh, and there was no lightning in this scenario, was there? No. Something in the Zack Snyder film.
1: Where it, there, there was a fair bit of lightning. I'm going to say that the experience, the, the appearance of an extra-dimensional squid hmm. probably heralded by some lightning. Yeah? I yeah. think so. Yeah, hmm. uh, I mean, you don't have to convince me much to believe that <laughs> fact. What did you think of this episode on uh, the second viewing? I I thought it's a really good episode. Hmm. I thought it fleshed out one of the characters that kind of was already a standout um, in, in the Wade's Looking Glass character. And I thought that it... Um, did a lot of like really advancing the plot and kind of like, you know, um, putting a lot of the cards that it's been holding too close to its vest uh, on the table. And now we can get down to, uh, you know, telling the, 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 the final act of this story. What'd you think? Yeah. This is my favorite episode so far of the series. I think
0: it did a really great job, like you said, of, blending all the three things that this show is trying to do. It's trying to tell a cohesive story, it's trying to get a little weird, and it's trying to uh, do some, some deep characterization uh, yeah. around a theme. And I think this episode is a prime example of that. Uh, just firing on all cylinders.
1: It's also really audacious because there's several points where it kind of just dares you, the viewer, to nitpick it or to find fault with its storytelling or to, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I, I think there are definitely some... Uh, some some weaknesses by either design or by the fact that you just, just this is a, a crazy convoluted story they're trying to tell in nine episodes. Mm-hmm. But like when I started thinking about like what I would do differently, the only thing I kept coming back to is, Wade's behavior seems inexplicable except when I was watching a multiple case and I was really thinking about his like I trying to take seriously because sometimes you you see a character like Wade struggle with some kind of psychological problem and you know it's not your psychological problem so it seems silly and like what's Mm -hmm. sillier than being afraid of extra dimensional squids and what's more pathetic than this guy living alone and and earning a degree in extraterrestrial squid science in his fucking bunker yeah um, but like he's terrified of this shit, mm-hmm. and the the idea that you know the Seven Calvary might be up to something um is, is something that he would have to take action against. It's like he you know he 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 could not do it. I think that there may be. The thing that would have really sold it to me is if one of those basketballs had just appeared in a portal in front of him, like he was content to wait, and it also would have been mm-hmm. another little thing yeah. that the Seventh Cavalry did to kind of like lure him in like cheese. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty good if you just take in mind his fragile mental state and how hypervigilant and paranoid he is.
0: Yeah, and I I mean, I'll give it to you it's a little dubious in areas, but I think like the the way that they mix like the the sexual part of it with the fear that he has of this traumatic event Mm -hmm. that they're tied together. Right. And so when they become yet again, tied together uh, in his present with this woman who he meets at this group and she's like coming on to him and like, follow me and all all this stuff. Like you start to realize, okay, well this is a man who's not thinking rationally. Right. None of
1: the choices he's making are good, including the one to go into this warehouse. Right. And, And then the cherry on the top is that he's a mask. And we've yeah. seen like all like like mini masks, they kind of have this uh, macho, ball Angela including ballsy kind of approach to to justice. Like Angela has mm-hmm. no problem breaking into facility without any kind of backup being there. Like they, they you know, look at look at how uh, Pirate Ginny behaves. Look at how uh, the Red Scare behaves. Like they're not people that wait for backup and do things yeah. appropriately at all. So like. Yeah, the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, you know, they maybe they could have done a, a thing here or there to make it a little bit You know more inevitable, but it's already pretty goddamn inevitable.
0: The other thing. I really like that this does is there's sort of a weird deconstruction of uh, superheroes much like you know the original Watchmen does in Looking Glass because we think of superheroes as having special powers and I think mm. Wade's superpower in this episode is shown to be a just a farce like he thinks he understands what truth is. He thinks he can detect a lie, right? And by the end of the episode, that is shown to be totally false. Like, he's right. been living his entire life under a lie right. that he didn't see. So, yeah. like, it, it really shows you, like, the superhero is driven more by pathos than it is, like, some, like, especially a Batman type, you yeah, know, yeah. which <laughs> I think it's fitting the way it has this underground bunker, uh-huh. you know, with all his gear and contraptions in it. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Indeed. Alright, why don't we get into the recap of this episode?
1: Uh I thought we could talk about the title a little bit because oh, yeah. you mentioned Little Fear of Lightning. Did you do any digging of that? I didn't know. So um this is a quote from two thousand Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. Twenty thousand? Did I say two hundred thousand? You said two thousand. Two thousand. I'm yeah, I'm off by order of magnitude. Twenty <laughs> thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. Uh and is the quote is if there were no thunder, men would have little fear of lightning. Huh. Um and there's also a reference to uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea when uh, Wade asks uh, the 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 lady who stumbles into the meeting late, "Are you a friend of Nemo?" Which is you know obviously Captain Nemo had the Titanic battle with the squid at least mm-hmm. in the Disney adaptation. I think that's also in the book as well. And it's also mirrors uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. I guess uh, like, "Are you a friend of Bill?" is a, yeah. kind of like a covert. You know, greeting for like a fellow alcoholic mm-hmm. and uh, friends of Nemo apparently are the, the way that you establish in a low key way, whether if someone else is suffering from extra dimensional uh, anxiety syndrome. Hmm. So there's a lot of cleverness. Now, I'm not sure like if there are no thunder men would have little fear of lightning. I'm not sure exactly what that means. Um, I guess it means like like lightning itself is actually beautiful. And then you hit and then you hear the like the, the, the clap of thunder, which makes it seem dangerous. And yeah. I, but I'm not, I'm trying to think of like what, like like what the psychic squid it had it not like uh had the psychic detonation that killed a bunch of people. Like what what what's the hmm. lightning and thunder here? Um, but it might just also be a a, a pretty subtle nod to the whole uh, Nemo thing that they're doing here too. Gotcha. Some housekeeping for this week. Over at swizzbold.com, Cecily and I are debuting One Weird Trick. It's Cecily and I's new Lifestyle Advice podcast. We do a bit of an intro, then give some advice on dealing with nosy co-workers and losing your religion. On Pickle Me This, are you a private pooper? If so, this week's episode of Rick and Morty is for you. Check us out at Pickle Me This. On Bald Move Television, Alexis and Cecily are covering his dark materials, aka that one HBO show where the creepy menacing chick just can't stop spanking her monkey. Also, Jim and I talked to Mandalorian last week. Check it out. Bald movies. Really busy time. Last week, we talked about Ford Ferrari, a very masculine, macho show. Uh, This week, we'll be talking about a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Can Aaron make it through without sobbing like Donald Glover being sung the reading rainbow theme by LeVar Burton? find out on the bald movies feed this week's episode mr robot dropped a bombshell on the origins of the robot himself if you're still reeling from the aftermath come discuss it with us on 2-bit encryption if any of these podcasts sound interesting just go to baldmove.com and check them out or search for the show name wherever you listen to your podcasts
0: all right let's get into the recap we have a flashback uh, for the first scene we go to hoboken new jersey 1985 uh wade's jehovah's witness was interesting to me. Yeah. He tries to engage in some street, uh, tries to engage and proselytize to, to some street punks who threaten him. Uh, this one of the girls takes his hand and leads him into the funhouse. She pretends like she's going to fuck him, but instead she strips him and steals his clothes. And suddenly, out of nowhere, a psychic attack knocks him out. And when he wakes up, he walks out of the funhouse to witness the carnage, uh, which is spread across the entire city. It uh, includes a giant squid that landed on several buildings. This might come out of nowhere, sort of, for you if you're not a comic book reader. But mm-hmm. this is kind of the the main event in the comics. If the we've end. tried
1: to prepare our listeners yeah. for the the reality of the psychics squid. Yes, and and here it is. And it was more glorious
0: than I could have imagined.
1: It really like because I always thought it looked silly in the yeah. comic book because the comic book is a very done very classic style, very minimalist coloring and mm-hmm. shading. Uh, But this looked I thought real good like this this um, this squid landing combined with it like psychically killing uh, half the the population of New York City and traumatizing uh, countless more Mm -hmm. and just its visual appearance and just just how fucking shocking that would be Um, you know seen in the flesh so to speak I thought was uh, first of all it was funny because I was expecting like when they kept on panning out panning out I'm like oh my god they're going to show the squid they're going to fucking show the squid and And they did it, and yeah. uh yeah i thought I thought it did it did real well, and it kind of i I remember seeing a lot of stuff that Snyder had said about the movie about how like changing this to Dr. Manhattan made a lot of sense, and how you just couldn't like if you just did this on film, it would be silly, and I think he's probably right, but also they did it here, and it didn't it didn't feel silly at all, um,
0: yeah, and I think he was speaking from a time when you know the cg wasn't quite what it is now
1: plus we've we've come a long way as society as far as embracing a comic book you know like Absolutely. It, when the watchman yeah. came out that was that shit was just starting yeah um and now we're you know what almost 20 years down the pike and uh you know like block but like like superhero movie events or cultural events uh around the world so like, mm-hmm. i think people are uh more primed to accept the weird sci-fi shit that that comic books would have to dish up now i think so uh what do you think of this guy they picked to play
0: uh young Wade
1: I thought it was good he had an, a yeah. good awkward kind of like you know, wiry energy um but you still like i feel like this is a a, a guy who's motivated out a desire to do good it's i i, I empathize with it because I, this like Wade was me because I very much believed in my mission to go out and like inform people about the in uh, a, in the oncoming Armageddon mm-hmm. but I was terrified of it I hated doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I thought, it was vital work and like him, like psyching himself up and like practicing his, what the Jehovah's Witnesses call conversation starters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny cause I, I thought I remembered this, but I actually did some research and there were several co- uh, covers on the Awaken Watchtower magazine throughout the seventies and eighties that liked to f- the to, to feature this uh, uh, atomic scientist. I forget the uh, uh, Alliance of International Atomic Scientists. They're the ones that started this like uh, doomsday clock thing. It's a real thing in real life. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember there are several covers. I, I I've saw, looked up on the internet several covers featuring the clock, and huh. you know um, that that was yeah. Nineteen eighty five. If it's one minute till midnight, I'll be yeah. I, I certainly would have been knocking on doors telling people about it. Oh yeah. Here's the one
0: thing I I've think been a they nine get... year
1: old little boy being used as a prop, to how, you know, for for doing <laughs> right. it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Hand him the watchtower, son. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Here's the
0: one thing I think they got minorly wrong yeah. with the witness stuff cuz i get so much right like uh-huh. the, the idea of the way to be wearing clip on tie right. like right down to that fact is is kind of awesome <laughs> uh, i knew plenty of witnesses who wore clip on ties sure just easier
1: especially when you're, you're you're witness youth i mean oh, yeah. you're going to tie ties all that time i wore a few myself sure
0: uh, the one thing that seemed a little weird to me is them these oklahomans mm-hmm. getting off the bus in new jersey and proselytize preaching
1: to people there they do the like they work ten, where the need is greater though they do but you know? the need is not not, not great like, like yeah. 10
0: miles not not even 10 miles a mile it's yeah. across the river is the headquarters yeah. of jehovah's witnesses yeah in S- so, S- like, send
1: in the fucking bethelites take these yeah. oklahomans back home and
0: right yeah like if anything they'd go out to rural oklahoma right because i've done that myself Sure. yeah, yeah. you
1: get in a bus or, or out a to Amish big country van. and have some bewildering conversations with those people like, yeah <laughs> spend spend a weekend out there doing why not it. Yeah. The other thing I think that um they like that was inaccurate is the prayer. Like there's no way a Jehovah's Witness elder would, would pray over a bunch of young people and not mention Jehovah once. Oh it's yeah. weird that like yeah. you have it like announce you, you have the watchtower announcing Jehovah's Kingdom, but come on, Lindelof. For five bucks I'll do, I'll be a Jehovah's <laughs> Witness uh, uh uh accuracy, historical accuracy guide. I do feel but like the, they got most of it right there. Also, this is Jehovah's Witness in the uh uh the Watchman universe, so right. who knows? who knows maybe yeah, that's a, that's uh, a fun little cult- cultural quirk about this mm-hmm. dimensions Jehovah's witnesses that they don't actually use the word Jehovah and and I was only 3 when this would have been taking place yeah. in our
0: universe yeah. and I don't I don't know how fervent they were how how crazy the witnesses got about the doomsday clock and all that stuff uh, uh, and, yeah pretty crazy but but it would push all their buttons
1: <laughs> sure oh yeah it's, oh, it's yeah. a witness wet dream having the the clock at one till midnight mm-hmm. yeah because it's the, that's the, they they get they perversely get so excited when the world gets shitty like when there's lots of earthquakes yeah. or a disease uh or international to nuclear tensions it's like you know <laughs> armageddon's almost here. you
0: know yeah. so and this i mean this whole event would really fuck with you if you were a religious person who thought this was the end of the world and sure. you had just in your
1: mind sinned yeah uh yeah what? he
0: he walks out of here he's like what the fuck happened
1: yeah no and i i like the like internalization of like this isn't what you, you weren't a normal person who was naive and taken advantage of mm-hmm. in a very cruel manner by someone else it's you're stupid and you're a sinner and this is all your fault and right You know, there's this, that that's uh, a mindset of like, you know, always blaming yourself for every failure rather than say that like, you know, every every once in a while, um, you know, fuck the other person for doing this to you. Yeah. And it's something that sticks with Wade for his entire life, we see. Uh, So,
0: yeah, let's get there. We go back to modern day. Uh, Wade is psychoanalyzing a focused test group. Uh, He tells the tourist board that they hated, the the test group hated their commercial for New York because they're Mm -hmm. scared. Wade masks up to attend a meeting where Lori says they don't have anything on Seven K, so they're going to try and find the church where they made their video.
1: Yeah, I um I thought so. The, here's the debate, I guess it might be interesting to, to have: um, is Wade really good at detecting lies, um, or is he got a giant blind spot when it comes to his own personal biases? I think it's the latter because it does seem like he's pretty good human lie detector, but like he can't see past his own you know, fears and paranoia like, I don't know that I trust his analysis on like, maybe I trust his analysis on sugar-free cereal. No, not sure if I trust his analysis on a tourism boards trying to revitalize New York's apparently still struggling. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, 9-11 attacks have nothing on a psychic squid because it's, it's put people off in New York city for 30 years plus. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple other things where, it seems like he is in a, Like obviously, he's unable to penetrate the truth of the conspiracy around the the squid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things like there's a there's this, this will be relevant when he has a conversation with Keen later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want to point that out that I, I think that the the limits of his human lie detector are anything that is personally traumatic to him because he just can't see past his own biases.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, on my first watch, I was like, "Oh, Wade's got these people pegged. Like mm-hmm. he knows." exactly what they're thinking in this focus test group even though they're not saying it right on second watch i'm like wade's full of shit wade wade doesn't know anything about these people
1: yeah Uh, he's just telling him what he thinks i do think that his uh looking glass of storage shed hideout is a far more practical uh hideout than the sister Knight's fake bakery yeah because like yeah like people come and go at storage sheds all the fucking time Mm no one pays any attention to it uh you know no one's gonna call unit 63b and wonder where their fucking dumplings are like angela's business that's perpetually open soon it just is it's gonna it's gonna be talked about like just even in the neighborhood like jesus christ when is yeah. this vietnam i've been excited for this place for three years when's it gonna open <laughs> like how long is that before it's like people start asking questions so yeah, go yeah. to the storage shed solid solid alter ego switching place. If I were wait, I'm taking it one step farther and renting the shed behind it
0: as well and I'm putting a door Ooh, in.
1: Yeah, hidden door. Yeah. I thought it would be like I thought there would be a little bit more subterfuge along those right. lines. Like that there would be like a hidden door that bridges the two compartments instead of just having like one big compartment, but Yeah. Good whatever. enough. Yeah. Wait, wait is a man of somewhat limited means, I'm sure. Surely the You d- can't the, have unlimited money. The department uh, fronts all this though, right? Do they, is their costumes and gadgetry and all that stuff out of their they, own budget? I mean, we we speculated
0: this about Angela's Bakery. I think they would probably pay something for that, certainly. Do they have like a superhero stipend? But Wade like works a job outside of his... But that's for just for cover. Like all job. these
1: people do. They... Right, but he's doing it. Yeah, right? like, unlike Angela, not. where she's just going in there and she doesn't even have eggs in her bakery. Although, I guess she does She does things like she, she does baking demonstrations for schools. But yeah, I feel like. Well, for a kid's school. I got I a feeling that was like
0: a p- bring your parent hmm. to school day kind of thing.
1: I thought it was just like her Career part of her day. cover. But yeah, it seems like Wade's cover is a lot more aggressive to maintain than yeah. than Angela's.
0: And he's probably not sleeping a lot, but I doubt he wants to sleep that much anyway because he probably has nightmares.
1: True, true. A lot of, a
0: lot of stuff going on uh and and in this episode in that commercial that they make uh for the tourist board you get to see christopher from the Mm sopranos i thought was uncredited nice touch uh hbo loves to bring back their actors yeah so and they got they got a fine stable why not Mm -hmm. all right we move to wade getting pissed off that red made a sandwich from evidence angela's (laughs) pressuring wade to get the pills analyzed And then Lori calls Wade into her office to ask about the pills because apparently she bugged his cactus and heard him and
1: Angela talking about him. She's the FBI. They bug shit. Uh, He just says it's a personal matter. Uh, Hiding behind whatever HIPAA law they have in this dimension. Um, I think it's... There's a lot of interesting things going on here. The fact that Angela uh, is pushing Wade way too hard about something he's obviously uncomfortable about and something that, you know she's already putting a lot of trust in him and he kind of like gives her this subtle, like back off, like, you know, uh, you don't demand things of people who you're do do things that you're doing for people for a favor. And she completely blows past that and just like keeps the pressure on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering like if one or two things had broken a little differently, like if Angela hadn't been so hard pressed on him and this, this occasion at the end of the episode, if, um, You know, like, like if would looking glass would Wade have turned a traitor if it was just the keen thing and not a bunch of other things too? good
0: question, because
1: Um, it it also felt like that no one respected him. Like, you know, Judd mm -hmm. was using his face for a mirror. This, you know, Lori's calling a mirror guy. Angela's like, you know, taking advantage of their friendship to like hide all this contraband and help him falsify evidence and, it's just like, he's, he's clearly motivated by justice and desire to do right. He enlisted right after the white knight. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, people like that, that are like ideologically, um, or not ideologically like, um, principle driven rather than I they're, they're, uh, they're, they're loose cannons or wild cards. Something like this can happen. Yeah. Um, is, is the lettuce thing just to
0: remind us of the lettuce for later in the episode.
1: Probably, but also I think it's another annoyance because Wade sees the world as, you know, he's tried to be very professional, and precise, and he's planned, and mm-hmm. he he you can tell that he's not really on board with some of the extrajudicial stuff that goes on in the department, and this is just, like in his mind, sloppy and disrespectful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly.
0: Uh, we get a little more information about when they wear their masks and where they wear them which I liked um, and also what his mask is made out of it's a, a product called reflectatine it's supposed to be impervious to to
1: psychic uh forces I um, wonder if that's actually true if it's just like cause like I assume it's just marketing yeah cuz like uh you know they say the same thing about aluminum foil or tin foil today and yeah. obviously that doesn't have any but kind I, of
0: I don't know cuz I I'm looking at the drugs I'm going okay nostalgia is a real thing right yeah. that's mm-hmm. pretty fucking far fetched
1: Right. Uh, why couldn't Reflect Teen be a thing? And this is a universe that universe. has psychic things like psychic blasts. So I guess that's something right. you could measure and test. And
0: But the regulations say keep your mask on in the precinct, which uh, most people do, I think. Certainly, yeah. uh, Panda Man, I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm.
1: He he sticks to that. It's Panda, isn't it? Don't they call him Panda?
0: Yeah. Is that his
1: full name? It might just be a. He's like Bad Panda, Dirty Panda. <laughs> dirty panda yeah dirty panda is what i'm calling him because yeah Uh that that costume's not been cleaned in a long time fair all right wade goes home for dinner and an
0: episode of american hero story his squid alarm goes off and he rushes to his bunker unfortunately his system has malfunctioned and the alarm won't shut off so he smashes the system and then calls the company and demands they overnight him a new one then he goes to sleep lonely
1: yeah i uh I had this miscon this preconception when I saw the scene and this more um and and, you know of him like sadly looking around all the other bunk beds and I'm like man did he build this shelter thinking that he would have a family one day and that he wouldn't be this isolated and now like this this uh, anxiety he's had has had him retreat further and further inside himself inside his underground bunker Mm -hmm. and then I watched um. Uh the actor whose name escapes me at the moment, he was like giving a tour of the bunker as this bonus feature and uh, they mentioned that like in the backstory that they had in the writer's room and in his head that him and his dad built this after the Hoboken experience as a way huh. to kind of like bond and get over their shared so this was like the fan- this is the 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 old Wade family squid shelter that he's inherited, and he's he's maintained, and I'm like, ah, oh, what well, fucking blows my my head can in a way, but maybe yeah. like even still, like maybe he misses his the fact that he used to have a family and now he doesn't. Like, um, yeah. that that just the, the look he has in his face when he's pulling down that reflective team is just so puppy being put into an incinerator's head. Yeah, and if you sort of look at it, it's like okay, well, <laughs>
0: this is the thing that sort of drove his family away. Right, he's yeah. sleeping in this fucking bunker. Right, that fear is represented by this bunker, and that's the thing that. His ex kept telling him, like, you, I'm trying to help you get over this. Conducting over
1: 500 drills. In who knows how long, but in any amount of time, In the middle that's of the night, in the yeah. middle of dinner. Like, you can imagine, like, what a fucking chore it would be to be in a relationship with this guy. Like, you have oh, yeah. to be a hardcore squid prepper mm-hmm. or you're going to be driven crazy by him. Yep. Uh let's move
0: on to Wade getting a page from Cynthia, his ex. Uh he stops by her job where she is cloning pets and she tells him that the pills are called nostalgia and they're encapsulated memories that can cause psychosis if taken in too high a dose. And then they talk about the relationship a little bit and why they broke up before he leaves
1: yeah there's lots more of this information uh because like we skipped over the hot and heavy uh, american hero story sex and mm, yeah. but there's a lot of information that's not in the episode that's contained in the pedia pd pedia pedia the encyclopedia so, oh the, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it i think that's what it's called though isn't that the, the encyclopedia it, no, is it the Pd pedia Pedia, yeah. it should have been encyclopedia. I think. Yeah, um, that's really good. They, thank you. Uh, they 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 have a bunch of information about this. That we'll talk um, right in, right after after our episode discussion. I'm assuming like uh-huh. we have in the weeks before. Um, I'll say there there isn't a ton of like meat
0: on those bones.
1: I, I thought it was more flavor, but well, it might be a, like a, a little bit. It might be. I wonder, like, at some point that, like, these aren't as bombshell because we've been seeing them for so long. There's, there's been so many over the weeks, and we're, like, integrating all the information. So, like, even things that would have been bombshell in isolation yeah. aren't. Plus, there are some legit bombshells in this episode. Yeah, like, so, like this nostalgia shit, yeah. uh, buckle up for next episode, yeah. Angela, because oh, holy shit, it's going to be like the scene in Airplane where the doctors rattling off all the symptoms that you could have if you ate this bad fish and the pilots undergoing them in real time right like it's it's going to be one of those things because (laughs) holy moly the things that can go bad if you overdose on this or take memories that are for another person Mm -hmm. pretty bad pretty bad and we'll go into detail here in a bit uh is this place called forever pet yep okay
0: it's a pet cloning facility staffed entirely by twins, which to me was hilarious.
1: Yeah, there's there's definitely something they're saying about clones and how clones are perceived in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but still, it's I, I wish I knew a little bit more because it's one thing to think that like you know a a person working at the factory will shove a puppy in an incinerator. It's another thing to start thinking about like that applied to human clones. And mm-hmm. uh, but on the other hand. We see uh, how Ozymandias feels about these these human clones that he's dealing with over on Europa. So, I, I, I'm I'm wondering if there's going to be other horrific things that we're going to find out about these these forever pet technologies or these other labs these these very unethical labs that seem to like Lady True is is running. I mean, I guess I thought this was a stupid question
0: before I thought about it. Do you think the people working in that place are clones? That's what
1: I'm saying. Like, I think there's a strong implication. Like, hmm. if not, that's what the marketing wants you to. Yeah. Like, the the whole reason you would you would hire only twins, mm-hmm. which, like, my God, how much must you pay? Like, what's the demand? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to get a lot of people moving there. yeah yeah that's like a lot i mean i know twins aren't exactly super rare but identical twins pretty rare pretty rare to staff exclusive. so it's like the the implication if they're not clones then i think forever pet wants you to think that they're clones and that's part of like the the mystique but if they aren't clones how would you ever franchise this thing right like you can staff maybe one location maybe two and this is the repet in fucking oklahoma Right, like how many repets do they have in New York, in California, yeah. in you know, fucking Seattle, Washington? It's the mind boggles. Yeah, either these people are getting paid two hundred dollars an hour and they re- relocate them all over the fucking place, and it costs a hundred thousand dollars to clone a puppy, which it might, it might. There's definitely people would pay for that, mm-hmm. um, or there's there's a lot of uh, frivolous cloning going on in human society. Let me ask you this: We're watching two shows right
0: now. With uh pet preservation, which would you rather have a clone of your puppy or a mm-hmm. uh, uh, stuffed version of your puppy?
1: Ah' uh, a la Mr. robot yeah see i i I really liked the uh, the last dog we had uh, was this like mutt Labrador mix, and he was a real good dog, and I f- frequently thought like if you could for like x amount of money like for for five grand, if I could have cloned him. And I didn't give a shit if it didn't have the same brain. Like, it's just like, I, I liked the physical layout of this dog. I definitely would have done it. So, yeah. I, I st- Or stuffing a dog, I feel like that would just be sad and creepy. Yeah, I'm with you. But, again, if, if, you know, if there's people, I know that this is a thing that people do. And if you derive comfort from it, there's no wrong way to grieve when sure. it comes to your pets. And don't let my thinking is creepy and weird <laughs> keep you from getting that solace if you need it, you know. Okay. We move on to Wade attending an extra
0: dimensional anxiety support group meeting where he meets Renee. Uh, after the meeting, they go to a bar where she tells him about her squid story and they flirt for a while, uh, before they go outside and share a little moment together, a little kiss. And they take off, uh, or she takes off when she leaves. She says, uh, the, the lettuce falls out of her truck, which just drives Wade insane. Mm -hmm. Sends him off the deep end. Uh, we'll We'll get to the rest of this scene soon because that's kind of a big chunk of it
1: yeah um there's a lot of stuff that i I like here um there's like some of the subtle world building the fact that this eleven two experience was so traumatic that it hijacked Spielberg's uh <laughs> desire to 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 do this black and white concept film to make it about the Holocaust and make it about eleven two um yeah, I, I, I feel like Wade in this scene because I haven't seen Schindler's List. Yeah, so I'm the guy who would be going, "What's pale horse?" Um, they they talk about uh, tobacco being a controlled substance, being illegal in uh-huh. in the United States, which I thought was kind of interesting. I'm assuming that's due to the the liberal uh, oh yeah, president that's true. who's been around yeah, for they, years. Yeah, they uh, they definitely curtail our freedoms to smoke tobacco for sure. Um, and then, uh, you know, just everything she's saying is like red meat for Wade. The fact that like, you know, she understands him. Um, I think even this, her skepticism kind of turns him on the fact that she casually drops to the only time she feels at peace is when she's watching pale horse or fucking, um, which I, is designed to, you know, get him going,
0: obviously. Oh, and, and yeah. also after I say the word fucking twice, uh-huh. I'm drunk, by the way. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> I, should, I should leave. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. follow me. Yeah, that kind of stuff. It, it,
1: exactly. Which I think was also probably tri- triggers his, like, protect, like, even if the lettuce hadn't fallen out, maybe he'd follow her home to make sure, I don't know. Mm. He seems like the type of guy who would be do something that's kind of, like, uh, well-meaning but creepy. Um, yeah, that's creepy but yeah that's uh there's also this uh great song by Sturgil Simpson in the background playing called Turtles all the way Down, hmm. which is uh his kind of reflections on the life he's led and his experimentation with drugs and psychedelics and different spiritualities and worldviews. and so there's name checks and conspiracy theories oh yeah uh yeah i i I like this album, I like the song a lot um and I thought it was a a nice uh clever thing to throw underneath this, uh, kind of quasi romantic, but ultimately fake date that, uh, uh, Wade and, uh, what'd you say her name? Renee was having. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which
0: I look at all the really clever, really like subtle things that they're doing in this episode. And then I look at insert shots like the hat or insert shots, like the seven K in the church. And I go, why are those in there? Mm -hmm. Like, how 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 much faith do you have in our in the audience? Because like you clearly have a lot through most of the show, but then you show these insert shots of like, oh, remember when he put the hat down and there was that reflective material in it? Oh, remember the seven K? Like the instigating event of this whole series? You remember that video? Yeah. No, here's a shot of it.
1: I, uh, so I sort of kind of de- that. debating that too. That it's like it's weird combination of both show and tell, like. Mm-hmm. Like like in in the Repet or the forever pet or whatever the hell the place was called yeah. where his former wife was saying you know Wade uh, f- uh I spent seven years together with you and I never got to, I never talked you out of thinking that I was going to leave you behind and, and naked in a funhouse mirror or whatever and then they cut back to that scene like if they had yeah. if if um. She hadn't said something like that. If she had said something, you know, and waved in seven years together, I was never able to break you out of your shell. And, like, he kind of, like, got a thousand-yard stare and, like, had the free flashback That would have worked. But, like, her explicitly calling out the thing as we're seeing the thing that we saw 30 minutes before, it is weird... It's weirdly untrusting of your audience. It's it's, a, in, it's a weird insecurity that I've that have not detected from yeah. Lindelof, and maybe he's like so fucking out there and up <laughs> on the high wire that he thinks like, hey, I got. It. And and yeah. obviously, people that haven't seen The Watchmen, maybe, uh, and and you know, aren't like rolling with some of the stuff with a with a uh, a foundational understanding. He's worried mm-hmm. about leaving them behind, but yeah, it Could it's be. definitely distracting for me who didn't need any of this help.
0: Right. Right. Um, speaking of rolling I I did notice that (laughs) all these cars sound electric to me Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting I I hadn't noticed that before
1: yeah I mean I don't know if we we, uh, in the very first episode they showed this guy driving this uh, you know F-150 conversion that had like you know still had this gas gauge but like bolted on there's an electric gauge so it seems like maybe but but the way this car is like it seems like all of them yeah like it's probably illegal to drive a gas gas car outside of like a racetrack or some shit
0: I don't remember what Angela's Car sounded like
1: I'm sure I haven't noticed it i'm that I'm point. almost positive that every car we've seen has been electric, yeah, um like i said even at even if the seven cav are driving electric, you know, so it seems like the type that would like to roll coal they're gonna roll oh, yeah, roll coal until the feds take take their shitty dirty engines out of their cold dead hands mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I think it's it's it must be some kind of uh uh fucking liberal bullshit l le- re- uh legislation. I mean the, the biggest thing obviously about the scene is that Wade is
0: completely unable to detect this lie, mm. this subterfuge going on. Yeah. Uh and, and I do feel like it's mixed up with, you know, the the fact that she's flirting with him, that mm-hmm. that he she's leading him down that path. It sort of distracts him. Yep. And you see this exact same thing having happened uh thirty years ago in nineteen eighty five, uh, which is kind of like Alarm bell should be going off in his head, but it seems to be a blind spot, right? When when something is clearly not right, right. but sex is involved, yeah. Wade seems to have some kind of blind spot.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's the squid, it's the sex. I think it's interesting. Um, this I got this from um, from a post on Reddit, but he. At one point in the conversation with Renee, he says, I've never been able to get that one eyed devil out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a scene where the uh talking about his dick, he's
0: talking about his dick. <laughs> no, yeah.
1: there's actually a scene where this uh this girl seducing him at the at the Hoboken fair where she is doing her makeup and she looks through her compact mirror and you can just see her eye, yeah. her single eye. Pretty so cool. like it's a double meaning, like both the squid and this very formative um experiences in in uh, wade's mind um mm-hmm. and yeah like massive blind spots uh, and and also i wonder if you're supposed to understand that he's not really good at lie detecting like lori who is a character who i guess i trust more than most she seems like she's got a pretty clear-headed view been on both sides of this law enforcement thing she's pretty skeptical about this racism detector mm-hmm. like it seems like this is almost cold reading like what a magician or a supposed psychic would do to find out about what your dead uncle Roger wanted to tell, you know, like he's, he's trying things, he's reading people, but I don't think he's got, I, I'm doubting that he has any kind of like superhuman or even well-trained lie detector. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. Which I wasn't earlier. Like this episode is the one that yeah. did it for me. Yeah. But I, I could also be wrong. And they're just suggesting that in areas where he exp- has personally experienced trauma that he is unable to determine the truth or, or lie of that. So maybe he's a very good racist detector. Could be. I also, I find the
0: idea that a human being would be the thing to try and detect a lie to be a little squeaky mm. just because they're so subject to uh, influences. Yeah. Form from in many forms, mm-hmm. but I mean, bribery, blackmail, yeah. Uh, many things that you could have him walk into a room and say somebody who's innocent is guilty and have them believe it.
1: Well, plus that that's like e- even, you know, there are techniques you can tell um, when mm-hmm. people are lying, but there are also techniques that you can... Uh, master sure. like you can you know like you can beat a lie detector if if um it's human nature to like break eye contact to lie you can train yourself to not do that so it's like one Just of those things put a tack where in
0: your shoe that's what i learned right yeah yeah, yeah from
1: the amazing randy uh, there's there's it's it's interesting like game where like you're professional at detecting lies of amateurs okay yeah. And like the thing, the lies you really want to detect in society are probably the trained professional ones mm-hmm. because they've got something more than just a crime of passion or like a momentary lapse of judgment. They're trying to cover. They've got, they're like running these big sc- scams and you see the Robert Redfords, the lady trues, uh, mm-hmm. the Senator Keens, they are skating by, um, you know, looking glasses gaze where, you know, these poor, these poor ignorant white people of, of uh, Nixonville are are getting 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 worked over. Which
0: is hilarious because nothing came of that.
1: Like, they they interrogated every single sure. person yeah. and they
0: found nothing. Yep. Pretty hilarious to me. Uh, and and tragic and fucked up. Right. Uh, all right, we move on to Wade following this truck to a warehouse where he calls for backup but moves in before they show up. Turns out the whole evening has been a setup and he's captured by the 7K. Senator Keene reveals himself and that he and Judd have been working with the 7K as peacekeepers since the White Knight. Keen also says they're going to use the teleporters they've been working on for something, although he says it's gonna be more creative than a squid. Uh, Then he shows him a video that Ozymandias made for President Redford upon his inauguration, revealing that the squid attack was a hoax just fucking blows his mind.
1: I, I think the backdrop of Ozymandias sta- uh, on this uh, DVD or optical disc is the squid eye itself, it seemed to me. And oh, I kept on it? thinking okay. that they would pan out and you'd see him standing in like a hangar that has this giant squid in it or something.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I'm know? wondering
1: if we'll see other clips um, of this or if this is just going to be like one of those like after Watchmen epi- issues where you have like a excerpt for uh, Night Owl's a memoir or an excerpt from a psychological profile of Rorschach like there's like this these yeah. little odd little in-universe media clips that they're embedding and and that's also like part of the pedophiles thing too yeah I mean it'd be great if they
0: filmed two three hours of content I would love Jeremy it I Iron want to see it all laying it all out and put I, that I on I the pdp I, I want to PDA. see
1: his I want to see his version of utopia yeah I, yeah I want all that on the blu-rays for sure there's no fucking
0: way they did that though right
1: no, two three hours of
0: filming of of footage would take hours and hours of yeah. time of Jeremy yeah. Irons that they just don't want to pay for.
1: It yeah, maybe a chapter or two, joke. maybe like a ten, maybe another ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah, yeah,
0: key moments
1: from yeah. it. Yeah, that'd be cool. Because uh, like, maybe like if it's a like a ten part plan and we see like parts two and three or something, I think that would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh there's a lot more to talk about here. Yeah. Um, I thought. There's interesting play with the fact that one of the primary, I think, antagonists in the series is a is a lady uh, by the name of True, and you know Wade asking, saying, asserting something that's not true, and then you know Keen coming back as anything true, mm-hmm. and also like I thought, I I, I remember thinking in the f- when I first saw this that like there's got to be some connection to what Lady True is doing and what Keen and Judd were trying to do with the Seven Calvary here. And when I watch the next, what jumped them out is we need to take uh, Angela off the board for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And we also know that we're two or three days. I think we're three days away. And now we're another day into the thing. So like a couple yeah. referring to, you know, colloquially a couple means two, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's that there can't be coincidence that their doomsday projects or their big reveal is going to happen at the same state, same date and time. Can't be. They yeah. have to be working together.
0: Well, I mean, mm, I don't know they have to be working together, but I think you're right about it happening at the same time. Yeah. I think they could be d- still opposing each other, but Lady True knows
1: about their plans and has
0: plans to thwart
1: them, maybe. Well, or, it's like I, I think there's an analog here with Ozymandias in the comic where he took writers and artists and uh, scientists and got them all believing in his project, and but then at the end he killed them all. Uh, to protect, you know, the subterfuge, and I wonder if Lady True is doing the same thing, where she's she's harnessing all these different uh, departments and forces and things that maybe sympath and, and she's telling them because like it wasn't like Ozzy Manius is going to everybody and be like, hey, Moloch, I'm going to infect you with cancer as a long as as if just a small part of a long term plan to discredit uh, Doctor Manhattan, destroy his confidence you know, it was quite the opposite. Uh, he, you know, he told uh, molek what molek wanted to hear to get him on board and had nothing to do with, you know, destroying three million people with a psychic blast. Like, yeah, Lady True could be through different intermediaries recruiting these people and they have no idea what part they're playing. They just know they're part, uh, playing a part and maybe they even think they're the, the ones in control. Um, yeah, well, I mean, th- that last part is what's curious to
0: me because Will clearly has some control over this plan right? This is not entirely Lady's True, Lady True's plan when he's it comes a, to he's, Angela he's a,
1: She's nervous that he could do something to stop it if he wasn't all in so yeah he must right. have some kind of linchpin part of it
0: Yeah so they're working together but it doesn't seem like he's working for her yeah. Um, as much as like they they are together and and you know Keen is very much concerned about the, the death of Judd and Will and like all that stuff clearly he didn't plan any of that mm-hmm. so like At the least, Will and Keen and Judd are all working on opposite sides, but Mm -hmm. maybe Lady True is pulling strings. Well, there's also
1: like what what you believe about Wade's lie detector is informs your the scene too because uh, Keen Jr. says that. Hey, me and Judd have been working together maintaining the peace ever since the White Knight and uh, Wade looks right at him and says that's not true. And this is c-
0: very confusing to me because uh-huh. we've just been shown that his lie detector is completely bogus
1: at least in certain scenarios. Yeah. Is this one of those scenarios? It doesn't have anything to Well, I mean, that's that's where I wonder if Damon Lindelof is not intentionally playing yeah. with our expectations and what we're getting because like if what you and I say is true and he's compromised in terms of like um, you know sexuality and squid attacks then mm-hmm. being able to suss out whether a white nationalist is lying about his true motivations for commandeering a uh, uh, a white supremacist organization he could be he could be right on and saying that that's not true uh, but if his lie detector is just a bunch of bullshit all all around right and or this is adjacent enough to the squid thing where like he's freaked out about the portals and everything then then maybe not and it's kind of an interest. It's a, it's a brilliant storytelling tactic because it can be both true and not true. And it's all in your interpretation and, and who knows, like we're not going to know until, you know, like, like uh, this looking glass guy is almost like a, a Schrodinger's cat. Is he going to be good? Is he ultimately Mm going to be bad? Is he going to be good, but misguided? Like he's been, it seems like his whole life. That's, that's the interesting part of his character. Yeah. I I wonder if
0: (laughs) the truth uh, whatever form it takes, is going to set him free or destroy him.
1: Where, where are you on the uh, Squid Pro Quo line? I love it. Yeah? It's the best thing about this episode. Is that something yes. they've looped in the last... They had to loop back in the last couple... Because I feel like Quid Pro Quo has exploded in the popular consciousness as a result yeah. of this uh impeachment hearing okay and i'm wondering if like there was there always a squid pro quo mm-hmm. or did they hire did they bring back bob back uh bob benson back to to loop that line if it was jeremy irons saying the line i'd say well, yeah, no fucking no way. way no fucking way yeah but, it's bob benson like yeah come on yeah plus jeremy irons seems like he's the type of guy who would uh you know come back for a day's work in front of a green screen to stick it to trump Probably, I don't know if he wanted probably. to like throw in a little split pro quo. His
0: politics—he's in Die Hard Three for God's sake. Yeah. He's got some pretty fucked up politics. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Uh, uh, so they—I mean—they do kind of confirm. It depends on how much you believe of this scene. Mm-hmm. They do kind of confirm the will killed Judd, and that the seven K had nothing to do with it.
1: Um, I do believe that for sure.
0: Yeah, and we do get more insight into why Judd might have looked like a 7k member assuming again that you believe any of this stuff he was trying to keep the peace after what was a horrific event that the, the mm-hmm. attack of the white knight mm-hmm. uh i there, there's just a lot of reveals here you know a lot of information in this scene and we haven't even talked about fucking teleporters we haven't talked about uh ozymandias plan for the future
1: yeah and also like what is the so whether they're working for lady true or not like what is the Seventh Cavalry going to do with a teleportation gun, the teleportation portal that's not going to be dropping a a, a psychic squid? Like, what are they? I don't know. And it something also something more creative is what they say. Just as an outside critic of their project, it seems like they're not nearly far enough along. If they're in the hey, let's throw a basketball and 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 detect where it goes phase, of, like they're not two days away from doing anything.
0: What if you took a uh... What if you took a garden hose mm-hmm. and you ran some nostalgia through it? <sighs> okay, and you rained
1: that down instead of squids. What would a dimensional? Oh, so I. Because s- we so presume you would just they're like, using you, you, the portals to you rain. Disperse squid. it in the high atmosphere and just have it rain down yeah. nostalgia. Jesus Christ, what kind? Who's memory? And and like you know, like yeah. uh, it seems like it's very dangerous to do memories that are not your own. So like it's a big of course they're...
0: There were a lot there's of deaths seven in Calvary. the original. I don't
1: know that the, there's any amount of collateral that they wouldn't accept to no, get their ethno state no. going again. And I mean, in the spirit of Ozymandias, they wouldn't yeah. give a fuck about the collateral yeah.
0: damage. It's all yeah. about the the end.
1: But I mean, Ozymandias would still. It's like uh, there's like I don't know um, if if the damage that the psychic squid did was greater than like a nuclear war, he'd probably feel like an asshole. Oh yeah, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, because it's like yeah, to take to take the risk with the mushroom clouds. I don't know.
0: And also, you got to wonder how smart. Senator Keene and and Judd Crawford were. Uh, they're no Ozzy. Ozzy's the smartest person on the planet in existence. Yeah. Uh th- he planned this for years and years and years. Are they gonna be able to replicate his success? I, I don't seriously think so. doubt it.
1: No, I think that Lady True like Lady True might she's she might, the yeah. she's the one that's been doing the uh, it's just uh, yeah. I'm very curious to see how this is all going to like arc back together.
0: Mm-hmm. It's also, I think, notable that Ozzy's plans for Utopia didn't come true. No, certainly the seven K White Knight attack would not be part of that plan. I wouldn't think.
1: In fact, it's not even like a half realized Utopia. It seems like people are living as many in anxiety and despair as they were. Like maybe Mm -hmm. the the world's not ending. You know, like I guess that's an improvement. Like there's not any like one minute to midnight that we've seen. He laid out a
0: lot of a lot of things for his Utopia, right? I mean. He's talking about Star Trek type utopia, yeah. And I don't, I don't see that any of that came true. Now I have to wonder when he dropped off the scene seven years ago. Is that when things started to go bad? Nah, was, I was don't. he still because uh, that's the thing. Like
1: I just don't think you can brute force a utopia. Like, yeah. y- y- um you can't have this revolution and put the wrong, all the right people against the wall and put a bullet in them and then everything's going to be fine. Like Mm -hmm. I, I I think that like this kind, I think that mankind is capable of this. It's just going to take generations of, slowly moving it to to not be focused on your own survival and maximization of your own benefit to, like, maximization of of, of your fellow man, like, you know, making sure everyone has a fair shot, making sure everyone's taken care of. Um, I don't think you can do that with a psychic squid or, you know, any kind of legislation. Like, that's just a that's just patient work of, like, education. And, you know, once you get a certain part of the globe kind of squared away, then it's going to be, like, how do you – you know uh like the 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 very idea of what i'm saying is scary to people Mm -hmm. like you know conservatives have been afraid of this one world order for like ever since i was growing up like oh my god what if what if these lunatics take over the whole world and force us to do that and even if forcing us is to like love each other that's a that's a terrifying concept because what Mm -hmm. does that even mean and you know, like what's the tension between caring for the community and individual freedoms and liberties? So it's like Ozymandias had his head up his ass from the jump. Like I, oh, yeah. what he was. That's that's why I think he's uh, he, he's, a, he's a he's a he's a crazy he's a crazy supervillain. Like, I, I know Jeremy Irons is like really super charming and and all that. But like, don't forget that this man is 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 like a Lex Luthor type. Mm-hmm is um, it mass murder it's it's just as wrong to think that he's the hero of the story as it is to think that Rorschach's the hero yeah so. absolutely uh yeah the the idea of like the
0: his him kind of keeping the peace for you know x x amount of years 23 years or something mm-hmm. um is sort of like this unearned utopia right like even if it was a utopia let's say, even though it doesn't seem like it was, mm-hmm. uh, if he had attained that utopia, like, an unearned utopia is a very fragile one, because right. as soon as the thing that's just keeping it all together is absent, yeah. the utopia crumbles, because right. because nobody ever came to the opinion that we should have these values honestly. Yeah, yeah. They and were forced into them. They were tricked into them,
1: right? Right, and like, you know, you, once you have a generation or two that's comfortable with the idea, ah, the squids rain, but like, pff, it's, you know, that was like a one-time thing, and then you're back to square one. And, and we gonna... we already see, like, the effects of the squids
0: fading. Like like Renee says, right, there are fucking squids raining from the sky and nobody gives a shit
1: anymore. Right, yeah. The alarm goes off, they squeegee their windows, and they're back about their day. like All oh, means, like, imagine... you remember the terrorist threat level? Like, how that was announced on the news? And oh, there, yeah. And, like, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's like... I don't know that the world is especially safer right now, but, like, you're no not... The, the, the fear of terrorism is receding because it's not no longer a, a thing that uh, is happening on a regular basis or when it's happening yeah. it's like small it's like we're just inured to it so mm-hmm. yeah no, it's uh, there's a lot of really interesting satire and commentary going on it's like and it almost it's like it almost seems like this show is too ambitious i was following a couple of conversations on twitter where people are like it's crazy how on top of all the race commentary that's going on here there's, there's also there's there's a 911 kind of conspiracy commentary mm-hmm. and like maybe it was too ambitious to try to do something with both of those that it's going to make either one of them weaker that like it's it's a big it's it's a big ass to get everybody on board with like some of this racial conspiracy conspiracy stuff and then you throw on like 911 like I mean in this in this scenario like uh the 911 truthers would be right right Yes, you know that there is a big eleven worldwide truthers, conspiracy. Yeah. yeah, eleven two truthers are are all the the craziest conspiracy theorists in in this in this world have have proven to be true. Um, and is the show prepared to like follow through with that worldview? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's it's a lot
0: to put on your plate. So here's here's what I like about what they're doing, what the Lindelof et al are doing with mm-hmm. this uh, show is. The same thing he did with leftovers, right? He takes this big event and he just kind of spins out from there and says, yeah. "How would characters react to this?" Like yeah. he 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 enables uh, some kind of personal storytelling around these big events that speaks to a certain truth about humans in general. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the scenario is ridiculous, like the event is stupid, something that could never happen in the real world, you're you're always kind of grounded in these strange events by the characters. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I felt maybe was missing in the first episode, but it's a lot of world building. And then episode after episode, he's continued to
1: layer those characters on. Yeah. And that's really what's hooked me in the last few weeks. Yeah. Well, they talked last week about like Lady True building an empathy bomb. And I think that's mm-hmm. what The Leftovers was. And yeah. maybe it's what he's trying to do with the, the Watchmen, too. It's like not necessarily want to change people's mind, but like, hey, consider this other perspective. Yeah. On grief. Consider this other perspective on race relations. Consider this other perspective on I don't know. That that that's where it breaks down when I get to this particular commentary because like yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Where is he going with it? All right. Um, we go over to Ozzy, who is
0: ex- his experiment is ready enough for him to catapult himself into the air, and he does so, and he makes it outside of the atmospheric bubble that he's been living in. Revealing that he is on one of Jupiter's moons, which I think you call that as Europa during the instant take. And I agree.
1: Yeah, there was likely one. Someone did a side by side um, comparison between a NASA simulation of the surface of Europa and and that and they're like identical. So, yeah, I think Europa is a pretty good candidate for his prison.
0: So he's way out there. Um, he uses the no- numerous frozen bodies. Of oh, Mr. also, Phillips. yeah.
1: There's an interview I read where uh, Lindelof confirmed that too. I forgot. Oh, like, he did. Yeah. I, okay. I, I must have forgot to update my notes on that. But yeah, it's it's definitely Europa. Okay. Uh, so he uses the numerous
0: frozen bodies of Mr. Phillips and Mrs. Crookshanks to spell out "Save me," something, Daddy. I'm Daddy. still, still <laughs> Save me, Daddy. Daddy. Just as a satellite camera passes by. And he is then yanked back into the atmospheric bubble by the game warden and told there will be consequences for his actions and he will not have any mercy.
1: There's a nice, um, I mean, you know, obviously using heaps of bodies to escape a hopeless situation is very fucking Black Freighter, which is very fucking Watchmen. Um, Also, like him raising his arms in triumph and screaming, I did it, is exactly what he did in the comics when he pulled off his big scheme. Um, Save me, D. The one thing that we didn't that that I that, that had some currency uh that we didn't I think you know we we had the whole Save Me like Doctor Manhattan or just Doc um Save Me D could also be Dan which is okay, the break, yeah. yeah the the uh, identity of the Night Owl mm-hmm. which they've also talked about perhaps being released this season from prison um he's also you know very wealthy he had uh, cutting edge technology that that uh, him and Ma- Manhattan worked together on if I, I guess, if I was to name one person that wasn't Lady True that would have the resources to maybe do something about uh, Manius's predicament, he would be one of them. Okay. Um, but I don't know. It's also pretty fucking late to to introduce his character into the story.
0: Yeah, he's still in prison. Um, it's it's pretty late, both in terms of the season, but also in terms of like this this doomsday clock that's ticking down we've got two days left before some big event happens
1: and he got in prison in 95 or 97 I forget which either way way before Ozymandias got exiled so and Ozymandias would know that so you know what what else could it be Hmm. it's got to be Dr. Manhattan but if but but we also think after this a a lot of things he was saying to the game warden uh, a lot of things the game warden was saying to the Uh, Mr. Phillips and Mrs. Crookshanks of the world implied that there was like a literal God, which, you know, Manhattan kind of fills that that criteria. Mm -hmm. Um, It does. It does feel pretty Manhattan-y. Like I said, I I believe that maybe Lady True could put a prison on a moon, maybe put one on Mars, but like fucking a moon of Jupiter. whew. Stuff, especially since it's near magical, you can just launch out of. It's got perfect gravity, and a br- yeah. but it's also as soon as you get to a certain altitude, She's you're out. At constructing artificial habitats. That's <laughs> true, <laughs> but does it go to gravity right. and force fields that contain atmosphere? And oh, I who, don't know, man. She's fuck needs- fucking making memory drugs true yeah i mean that's literally distilling memories into drug form i have no idea what you can do there's enough sci-fi fantasy in this that it's it is just possible but also would ozymandias uh refer to her as a god in this context like your god has abandoned you i I guess it could if she Mm. created all this and put it in motion could be yeah Uh, i do think that the game warden we were wondering if he's a mr
0: phillips or not i think Mm -hmm. he is yeah he has a mustache and he he it, looks like him. And
1: I think, as someone pointed out, he was credited on uh, okay. IMDb as the same actor, so... Yeah. That, I don't know if that complicates things or not. No, I don't think so. I
0: think the, Mr. Phillips and Crookshanks just serve all the functions here.
1: It it's would be interesting if... um The one thing that could hint a lady true is if... um if these clones once are pulled out of their cloning vat and and matured, if uh, they're given um, this nostalgia that has like a base like programmatic memory for these servants to to do the things they need to do for Ozymandias, like huh. that maybe is a little bit of a lady true. Because otherwise, I'm trying to think of like why, what, how would you create a human that would just like after a few hours of maturing would just have full function. Language and base Like skills you don't have to teach them to walk You don't have to teach them how to groom themselves Like I it's yeah that that would Be useful as like a loading like a Booting a, a ROM you know They you talk
0: get, about the genetic memory too um,
1: Yeah I guess that's there's, true there's some possibility That's just built into them yeah it's like this is Instinctual it's yeah. like crazy to think About it. it's a very science fiction thing but This show's getting really sci-fi Yeah I, there's A shitload of stuff that I want to talk about uh, When we get to that nostalgia
0: brochure Uh, from the PDpedia later. Mm -hmm. But let's get to
1: some of the final scenes here. Wade is distracted at his day job because of what he's learned. It's a nice transition between the game warden saying there'll be no mercy and then there's a woman spraying a fragrance called mercy. Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
0: in one of those focus groups. Uh, He questions everything about his life and he gets to the precinct where he tells Angela what the pills are and gets her to dish on Will's ties to Judd's death and her reaction to that. Which is all caught on his bugged cactus. Lori charges out of her office and arrests Angela, but not before she can down the entire bottle of nostalgia. Mm-mm-mm. Which will have consequences. Oh boy, will it. At the beginning of the scene, there are a couple of cops talking uh, about Dr. Manhattan and Hooded Justice. He says, I've watched every episode. He's talking about American Hero Story, I've watched every episode. Hooded Justice is Dr. Manhattan, which I think is is leaning once again into the speculation by uh, fans. I well, it's tough to say whether this is Lindelof anticipating the specula- speculation that's going to happen or actually planting seeds for future reveals. Yeah, foreshadowing. I I don't know the difference anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I think part of running a puzzle box if you're a showrunner in this age is like, you know, the concept of like chaff and like a radar. Like, you know, you throw a bunch of yeah. like shards of aluminum foil in the air to fool a, a radar seeking missile or something. You give it a, a radar target to lock onto. And I, you got to do that. Mm-hmm. You got to have like these these red herrings and, and, you, and you have to be ever more subtle. They have to be plausible. But. Again, ultimately makes still the main narrative make sense. You know, you can't bury it so deep that people are like, "Well, actually, the red herring sounds like a better story." It's, I don't envy anyone trying to do it in, in this day and age. And I feel like that the Lindelof has got a a new kind of pioneering technique where it's just like, um, didn't another sh- didn't we talk about another show doing this too? Because we know like the Watchmen or uh, uh, Westworld season two is an example of something that didn't necessarily succeed. And like Mr. Robot season two, also one of these puzzle boxes that didn't necessarily like, like depended on that reveal and people had, figured it out like five weeks in advance like mm-hmm. the way to these puzzle boxes is mini puzzles that you open along the way like instead of one big one it's like a series it's, it's almost like a an advent calendar of like oh you open door one and <laughs> two and you think you know what's door you, i know where this is going and door three just gives you the answer right but then also there's another puzzle that you it's and i feel like that's a better way to go because you're just you can fool the internet for a week or two mm-hmm. and and then that's when you let them feel clever and like yep Pat on the back good good job and while they're doing these micro puzzles, maybe you can assemble some kind of like constructicon giant puzzle out of it that well I think
0: that's the thing that Lindelof tried to do with lost yeah and it didn't work uh, because it's it's too big of a puzzle. Um, Plus, and he the, the, admitted
1: the, that he had no idea where he was going. I mean, that's that's the sure, fatal sure. flaw. If you don't know where you're landing when you when you take off, then you're just trusting in in dumb luck to, to get you there.
0: Yeah, but since then, he seems to have gone with more micro puzzles, right? Yeah. Like he 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 goes with the episode pu- episodic puzzles, but then he also goes with a season arc right. of a puzzle, yeah. um, where you're questioning you know a lot of uh, you're questioning a pretty big thing, but it's not. What plane of existence are these people on? Sure. That kind of thing, yeah. uh, and it's not going to be f- basically stalled on until mm. you know season six. Yeah, uh, he's able to do it just one season at a time now, which I think works really well. Uh-huh.
1: And leftovers even wasn't like it was a just a good character study in like puzzle box. 4 clothing mm-hmm. you know like it the the, the central mysteries he's always never had that point like lost has
0: great character sure sure development
1: but also that wasn't like you know why people were obsessively creating wikis sure. and doing podcasts and yeah. youtube videos and all that kind of stuff you know that wasn't people why people are freeze framing on a shark's tail mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like uh but yeah it definitely is, it's this is a lot more lost like i think than than uh the leftovers so I'm I'm really curious to see I think you're right. how successful he's able to do just like a nakedly like oh yeah this is a puzzle box it is a mystery we're in this together mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it's not the point like you know, the leftovers like oh yeah the mystery is not the point like no it's this is the point I'm I'm curious to see how he lands it
0: yeah it's the point of the original
1: Watchmen too in some ways so mm-hmm. um, and that squid like fucking even though yeah. like uh, that's the amazing thing is like the squid comes out of nowhere. But when you reread it, there's like all these like isolated vignettes of like this tropical island where people are painting weird shit and talking about this weird, pro- like it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. But no one, like, you don't know, get to that final issue and think, oh, yeah, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Giant fucking psychic squid is going to be dropped on New York City. Like, right. So it's, it's, you're trying to live up to that source material.
0: Speaking of not knowing what's going to happen, uh, there's something that I. I couldn't help but think about at the end of this scene mm-hmm. when uh LG gives up Angela with this cactus, right? Cause so so it's it's remarked upon by LG earlier in the episode that Lori knows his fucking name. Lori knows it's not Mirror Guy, mm-hmm. it's looking glass, but she calls him Mirror Guy. Mm-hmm. Uh which sort of to me is paralleled in the idea that Lori knows the Wade knows about this bug cactus right and so when he gives up angela it's intentional yes she's got to wonder what made him turn on her angela no lori lori has to wonder what made wade turn on angela hmm at the end of the episode that would be my biggest question why the change of heart here because he was stonewalling. so you're saying
1: like wonder to the point of suspicion I ne- I would I certainly be curious if I were Laurie. Cuz like I I didn't have that thought but like now that I'm thinking about it, I guess, you know, you got to question how cynical and suspicious Laurie is and the answer is very <laughs> very, yeah, very, very yeah. fucking uh-huh.
0: Yeah. Uh and and LG you know, he got mixed up in some bad shit to to get this revelation yeah. and have his mind changed. So Lori's not in on that shit as far as I know, so she's going to have to go. I assume this is going to be her avenue to start investigating the larger 7K conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to now have both angles, right? She's got the 7K angle through Wade, and she's got the the Will Lady True angle through Angela. Right. And we'll probably see this investigation spin out further. Mm-hmm. All right, we go to the final scene where Wade goes home to find his new alarm unit waiting on his doorstep. Uh, he throws it in the trash, but he decides to go back for it. Once inside, the 7K roll up to his house with weapons and march to his front door. They look like they're
1: up to no good. They sure do. They sure do. Uh, why does he go back and grab this unit? Man, I don't have any further analysis I didn't have on the instant take, which okay. is uh, I can't tell whether... Because cause I do know that you know having been through a couple bombshell revelations that completely changed how I saw the, the, the life, it wasn't like... You know, using the example of being a Jehovah's Witness, it wasn't like one day I woke up and I was exposed to a piece of information. I'm like, oh, this is garbage. Never again. It's more of like a seed of doubt forms Mm -hmm. and then another seed and another seed. And you try to prune and cut them out. And so, like, the idea that Wade would go from a person who and an organization that he would not have an inclination to trust and see this one video and, like, for it would certainly be a crisis of conscience. Mm -hmm. But is it something that where you, he's ready to completely throw out how he lived his life. So are we supposed to understand that him getting the EDS is like, you know, him him still clinging to that, you know, cuz he doesn't know what else to do or is he going to do something interesting with that like repurpose that alarm to do something with it that's that's going to be yeah, you know, I'm. I'm reminded of like, uh, you know, uh, Rorschach's one-man army against the cop routine that he did when they took him into custody. Is, are we going to see like this crazy improvised, you know, fight? Or but, but also, why would Lo- Looking Glass be on the guard against that? Like, why would he think these guys? I, although, I, I think it's not. If Looking Glass is as smart as he think that I think he is, then he would probably at least medium suspect treachery because mm-hmm. the natural thing to do is once once the Seventh uh, Calvary's got from him what they needed, which is taking Angela off the board, would be to eliminate him to protect their benefactors mm-hmm. and their overall mission because he's uh he's a loose end for all the reasons I just talked about. Absolutely. So what do you think?
0: Yeah i I do think that this is him uh sort of not. Either not wanting to believe uh, what he's just been told, or being so up in the air on what the hell truth is that going back to his comfort zone, the place that he's lived most of his life, uh, is probably what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I I just, I just think beliefs die hard. Like you like you were saying, you don't just change them immediately, even when presented with overwhelming evidence.
1: Yeah, and he keeps on like what he said to Angela. Like, what is true? That that repetition. It's like is he onto the lady true thing or is this going to trigger like, uh, you know, is, is this going to make sense to her in retrospect after she goes through what I'm sure is going to be a trippy fucking experience Fuck. next episode. I didn't even
0: think maybe lady true is mixed up in this Aussie video. Huh? Cause we don't know. There's just multiple hours of shit that we don't get to see. Sure. That Looking glass sure. did. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't it's either. Damn fine question, but that's the end of the episode. Wait. Uh, do we want to
1: talk about the PD-pedia? Uh, yeah, this week's PDpedia had three entries. The first one was a memo from Agent PD himself uh, around about the American Hero story, More Infernal Affairs. It's his report on the historicity and uh, how his, his commentary on the episode. And he is concerned, as he has been in weeks before, about how Agent Blake will be affected by the portrayal of her mother's assault. Um, I don't know what to make of that because I think that this is happening in like real time uh and that this is after he's had a sexual encounter with agent Blake mm-hmm. but he also expressed kind of a desire to be sensitive towards her before he even was assigned it to her as a partner so I'm not sure what to read into that if anything
0: yeah and uh, he conspicuously if if that is true and these are real time uh he does not mention he mentions that he is uh compromised by his lack of context over the episode mm-hmm. having not seen the previous one but he does not acknowledge that he may have banged right lori there's another thing <laughs> there's that's a compromising that's conflict of here.
1: interest there between his head and his dick yeah uh there's also some kind of like this humorous world building that silk specter apparently post watchman starred in a one-woman show called baby this is tops that was performed exclusively on regional cruise ships uh-huh. and something called the supper spa circuit I mean, that says geriatric all over it. So, supper yeah. spot. Oh, yeah. It's, let's go. China. Hey, Maude, let's go have supper and then, then get rubbed down.
0: I don't. Supper in a sauna? I'm not mm. interested.
1: Mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, also, the Hood of Justice and Silk Spectre dated briefly, but it's more of a, mm. like a, a sham affair for publicity. Uh, she said that she never saw him under the hood, never saw any other piece of him. Uh, that he was also very careful about what he said about himself. And one of the things that allowed her to, because there's also this implication that like she wanted to maybe um, take the comedian to the police and report the sexual assault. But her agent, who later became her husband, uh, said it would be bad for the group. And also who the justice wouldn't testify in court because he'd have to reveal himself and he wasn't going to do that. Um also we kind of put this together last week but it's confirmed that uh, Lori took the gig as an FBI agent as part of her condition uh, of her plea deal that she made with the government yeah. um after being apprehended for stopping the Oklahoma City bombings um PD has kind of a pretty uh you know on point critique of American horror story <laughs> American copying hero the shot- story yeah. Oh American hero story sorry American horror American hero story copying the shot structure for Sally's assault and Hooded Justice and Captain Metropolis' sex, uh, uh, the, the shot on that, very uh, making him identical, which is, serves to make Sally kind of a prop in the Hooded Justice hero journey right. rather than the story of her sexual assault being about her. Mm-hmm. The other thing I, I, I never really pieced together in the Timeline is that when this happened, Sally was 20 and Eddie, the comedian, was only 16. Yeah. Like they're always portrayed as very mature adults in in film and even the comics. So, yeah, when I look at uh JDM, I don't think 16 year old in no, Watchmen, no, uh, but you know, liberties. Uh, there's also this interesting thing because, like, I remember like two weeks ago, I got the very clear implication that PD is uncomfortable with like, uh. You know gay lesbian topics that he is very one of those people that don't mm-hmm. like the term toxic masculinity. Um, but here he says that he's all in favor of telling of LGBT stories. But he just thinks that Hooded Justice is a bad vehicle for advancing the cause because his story is so filled with complications and paradoxes. I don't know to me. This commentary smacked of like people like, hey, I don't got any problems with gay people, but Jesus Christ, why did it? Why did I have to put a trans person in my video game? Right, you know, it's like uh, there's there's an appropriate way to tell that story, but do you have to shove it in my face? Like, and the appropriate way according to them would be to not tell it. Yeah, just to be like, <laughs> hey, do I even need to know they're gay? You know, like uh-huh. uh, I, I, I t- so I, I still think I'm getting a little whiff of um, some cultural discomfort that PD's having with this material above and beyond his concerns for how historical. It may or may not be. Yeah. Uh, any other commentary on that particular one? Not that one, because then we have um, a piece of media which is a like a promotional flyer for a new drug hitting the market in 2007. Nostalgia, developed by True Industries. So indeed, uh, apparently it's a customized psychoactive compound that's derived from the uh, patient's brain and cortosteroids. That they would draw from a patient or properly matched blood relative, which is going to be, I'm sure, pertinent to uh, what yeah. goes on with Angela's brain next episode. I think that'll be the saving
0: grace: is that you know
1: they are related, and so she's not going to go completely out of her mind, right? Right. Um, and probably is going to interact with her genetic trauma. There's also the the side that these pills are color coded, with red being the most intense experience. And, and Angela's down to a bright red <laughs> bottle of these things. She sure did. Uh, there is a bolded warning to never take someone else's nostalgia because mm-hmm. they're they're custom-coded and they can have bad effects. Uh, also, something interesting about this drug can be a- absorbed by a developing fetus. So this is super interesting, I think. Which makes me think about Lady True's daughter. Yes. Yeah.
0: And what the chemicals that she might be IVing at night are. Yeah. Uh, do you think that they're nostalgia or do you think there's some sort of suppressant because... when she was born the the under the effects of nostalgia right from her mother the 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 transfer uh of those memories was so intense and she's Mm. trying to sort of suppress that stuff so her daughter can how old do we
1: think lady true's daughter is because honestly
0: i 12 13 oh
1: really because i was thinking i always thought she was like college co-ed age but Oof um she's dressed very cutesy but i don't know she always I, I i don't know but it's yeah but she could be 12 I, or 23 I, sure. I don't i don't know but because like, i was trying to do the math nostalgia was was introduced to public in 2007 so maybe it's been worked in lady true's labs for five years and that was 12 years ago so that i could buy that she's certainly 18 19 years old and that's yeah something if she, she were, was fucking if with she were 20 lab. something yeah there's no way yeah. The time works out. You don't think fun. so? Like, if, like, if this was, if she was fucking with this, like, uh, with her uh, on her own yeah, five years before tested, it sure. went. Because this is five, like, so this is the FDA's approved it. It hits and, the market, yeah. Yeah. I so maybe and that's a, that's an yeah. interesting take that she's trying to suppress the influence rather than achieve the, the, Definitely. Right, because she didn't have like a super
0: clear memory of the event.
1: And this says that, like, these effects, vivid. like, you get
0: very vivid, uh, extreme empathetic effects.
1: Yeah, if she wanted it to be very vivid, she has the technology to make that happen. So that's right. an interesting alternate take. Uh,
0: uh, and it also makes me wonder about the baby that she gave to these farmers. Does that, ooh. is that tampered with somehow with nostalgia and. Holy shit.
1: I I don't know. It would be interesting. Oh, what if that's what True's really doing? She's replacing the nation's infants with clones that have nostalgia that are going to be naturally more empathetic towards people. And that's one way to engineer utopia one baby at a time. One developing fetus at a time. Uh, Also should not be taken by those under 18 as it impairs development, which regardless of what you think is going on lady true's daughter, if she's given her nostalgia and she's under 18, then that's bad. Uh, symptoms of an overdose include heart attack, respiratory distress, sleeping sickness, catatonia, psychic looping, incessant weeping, laughing or screaming, random or irregular erections or vaginal wetness, involuntary orgasms, explosive flatulence or diarrhea, kidney, liver or colon failure and total collapse of the autoimmune system yeah oh angela wide variety that that sounds like a treat for an actor to portray though <laughs> <laughs> it's just you're going to be you're going to be in a jail cell screaming and um, crying and experiencing vaginal and wetness orgasming and yeah yeah that's like a little bit of explosive everything explosive yeah. flatulence yeah yeah uh there's i, all... I
0: find it interesting that they say don't take it while uh engaged in intercourse yeah which with those side effects yeah fuck you don't want any of that
1: eh, what if maybe you the took, wetness maybe the if, erections I was like, what if you took a kevin garvey nostalgia while you're having sex with someone so you to relive the experience of that's what i was thinking like
0: ha- having it's, it's someone right.
1: raptured right in the middle of coitus Uh, There's Ah, also another big warning against taking another person's nostalgia as it would erode the boundary between self and other and catalyze hyperactive empathy or extreme fight slash flight responses. So here's where I think that gets interesting because we talked, we speculated about, oh, is this some,
0: you know, empathy bomb that she's coming up with? And we know now that these nostalgia drugs, when given other people's memories, can cause, like you said, extreme uh, empathy. Mm -hmm. I think there's a little
1: bit more evidence now Mm -hmm. for that possibly being true. Uh, but there's also warnings of long lasting conditions like mania, hypersensitivity, psychosis, schizophrenia, and permanent memory or identity loss. Uh, also one of the immediate side effects is aphasia, which means loss of the ability to speak. I think that also might be mm-hmm. interesting if like Angela has this profound experience but then can't speak. Like can't tell anybody <laughs> about it. And uh-huh. like wouldn't that be a kick in the ass if like you know for a fact what's gonna happen, but you can't do anything to prevent it because you can't communicate? Yeah. And aphasia is not just the ability to okay, because then I I think someone would email me like, well, she just writes stuff down aphasia means like you lose the ability to process language. Mm -hmm. Like if you do speak, it comes out in like word salad, if you can speak at all, like if you can like remember how to write your name and things like that. So it's like, it's not going to be like Angela can't can she can't speak and she can write shit down. It's like she just loses the ability to process language. So that, that would be an interesting thing to play with, too.
0: And I think the idea that, you know, this could cause psychosis or ex- really extreme side effects that, that
1: Lasting could ones either too.
0: Yeah, permanently fuck you up or potentially even drive you to kill yourself or kill others. When when you kind of pair that up with, you know, Ozzy's plan of uh, dumping this giant squid and killing millions mm-hmm. in order to preserve some kind of peace, you you could almost see this empathy bomb as having a collateral Effect uh, yeah. collateral damage, yeah. Lady True
1: not giving a shit, right? Because of the greater good in her mind. Uh, and finally, on the PD files, uh, PDF files, uh, there's extra dimensional anxiety in you from a, 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 pam- a pamphlet or a track from 2009. This is the uh, cat staring out the window brochure that Wade was kind of arranging at his uh, meeting for extra dimensional anxiety. Um, and this is, I don't think we need to go into because like if you've seen the episode, Looking Glass suffers from it. Yeah, excessive rumination, hyper avoidance, hyper vigilance, negative changes in a w- relationship, worldview, paranoia, thrill seeking. The only thing I didn't is suicidal thoughts. Has, did he talk about being suicidal in this episode? I don't think so. But shit, you don't need to have every symptom to no. to to suffer from a syndrome. Also, they mentioned that this this pamphlet was produced by the Vite Institute for Extra-Dimensional Studies, which has me questioning what role do they play. Like, are they actually trying to help or Or make it worse? Because, like, having some people traumatized by this event would be seen as perhaps acceptable collateral damage to have the whole world kind of, you know. Yeah, and there's a section of that
0: brochure that says one of the myths is that it's not as serious as it it used to be um, and that people are, you know, getting over the the trauma Mm -hmm. but in fact they they say that's not true uh so yeah you can almost see like okay the the vite
1: vite giving these people a license to give in to those tendencies right 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 well and also in the comic books the squid only attacked new york city and there's also something in this brochure that says that this uh anxiety is increasing in russia and china because hmm. there's been an increase, an unexplained increase in exotic cephalopodian entity showers since 2001. So maybe it's like Yeah. Vite saw it's like, "Oh, you know, we didn't we didn't uh, squid bomb Russia and China and they're skeptical of this whole thing. So like let's 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 crank up the lever on squid showers." Hmm. I guess Robert Redford would be doing it at that point. Well, interesting stuff that PD files has got. Yep. Do you want to see what the email file says for us this week, Jim? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. All new Pulp and Prestige this week. On Tuesday, we'll cover the latest episode of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live on Pulp. And on Thursday, we'll catch up with the latest Samurai subterfuge on FX Hulu's Shogun.
0: Then on our House of the Dragon feed, Anthony puts on his Maester's class on Monday. And then on Thursday, Steve joins him for Electric Fulu as they continue their discussion of George R.R. Martin's A Clash of Kings
1: find these and many of our other great podcasts by searching for bald move pulp or prestige in your favorite podcast app
0: fx is adapting james clavell's best-selling novel shogun into a 10-part miniseries this spring set in the shogunate period of japan at the turn of the 15th century shogun depicts the rise of a feudal lord to shogun as seen through the eyes of a shipwrecked english sailor It's loosely based on the real-life exploits of William Adams and Tokugawa Ieyasu.
1: Shogun has already been successfully adapted back in 1980 with a widely acclaimed miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain, featuring intricate plots, political scheming, complex characters, and thrilling action. This time, husband and wife team Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo try to recapture the successes of the novel and early adaptations while increasing the levels of historical and cultural accuracy that are often perceived as flaws of this and similar works.
0: Starring Hiroyuki Sonata from The Last Samurai, Mortal Kombat, and John Wick 4, with Cosmo Jarvis of Peaky Blinders, Raised by Wolves, etc., joining the truly massive cast required to bring this complex world to life. Join Aaron and I each week as we deep dive into each episode, uncovering the mysteries,
1: the intrigue, and the glory of Shogun. Shogun premieres on FX Hulu Tuesday, February 27th at the two part debut. Our podcast will release each Thursday thereafter. Get our Shogun coverage by searching for Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. Okay, uh, we got feedback. You can send feedback in to watchman at baldmove.com, or you can discuss each uh, week's episode on our forums, forums forums.baldmove.com. Robert emailed us, uh, something from last week. He says, I know I cannot be the first to note that Lady True specifically mentions that the Clark farm is 40 acres during her reveal in episode four. Emancipated slaves were promised 40 acres and a mule during reconstruction. And while most mm-hmm. did not received those rewards, most that did were relocated to the great plains states like Oklahoma. This cannot be a coincidence. That's a great point, Robert. And I was aware of the f- whole 40 acres and a mule thing, but like uh, your email kind of sparked me to do some more research and um, there's just so much to tear into. Um, I feel like anytime you shine a flashlight in America's dark corners, you turn out a whole bunch of bullshit where we've we've persecuted yeah. black people. But um, I I came across this study, um, by two uh, professors. Uh, where did I write this? Oh yes, it's called the. Uh, it's this paper. It's called The Great Recession and Land and Housing Loss in African-American Communities. Case Studies in Alabama, Florida, Louisiana, and Mississippi by Professors Nimherd and Audubar. Uh, one of the quotes is, in 1910, black Americans owned just over 15 million acres of land in the United States. That was, I guess, the height of land ownership among black Americans. In 1997, that number had dwindled to 2 million Uh, And they cite in the study, uh, black farmers were disproportionately targeted for imminent domain seizures by racist policies enacted by the USDA to deny black farmers loans. Uh, And when all else fails, good old fashioned fraud and lynchings to strip them of their land rights. And this also led me to a USDA report in 1997 by their own civil rights action team because they had so much criticism based on their past performance. Uh, this is a, a quote from the report from the USDA itself. There are some who call the USDA the last plantation an old line department. The USDA was one of the last federal agencies to integrate and perhaps the last to include women and in minorities in leadership positions. Considered a stubborn bureaucracy and slow to change. The USDA is also perceived as playing a key role in what some see as a conspiracy to force minority and socially disadvantaged farmers off their land through discriminatory discriminatory loan practices. So, yeah. Um hmm. Like I said, I feel like sometimes people think that uh, I'm just like a bleeding heart liberal about this shit. It's like up until like 10 years ago, like my opinion is based like I don't have anything against black people, but Jesus, historically, why does it seem like they can't get get their shit together? And I remember like um, learning about redlining on there's like a black intellectual. I can't remember which one on like a Bill, Bill Mars, Politically Incorrect or Mm. what's his new show? Real Talk. Uh, real time real yeah real time and they mentioned this redlining and and blockbusting and i did like some research on the internet i'm like oh this sounds like some victim culture mentality shit to me and i'm like oh fuck it's it's like imagine if you went to research the jfk conspiracy and like every major uh economist uh foreign policy expert uh history major was like yep nope that's totally right the cia killed jfk that's how my experience has been looking into these like American conspiracies against black people. It's like every single one of them. is like just when you think it's like too crazy Oh black people had this economic powerhouse in Oklahoma that was generating a whole bunch of and and white people bombed them with aircraft No, it's like it's it's, I mean
0: is there anything too crazy. We we Fucking treated them like property. Yeah, there's there's nothing. There's no thing. I wouldn't believe at this point right
1: that we did to these people right yeah and there's this like you know brief time during the reconstruction where maybe they could have done we, we could have done something to heal the nation and the north got bored and took their eye off the ball and you know hmm. it's been a generation struggle ever since then uh so yeah thanks for bringing that up robert and if you guys want to know more check out that uh, those studies i cited um i'll try to link them in the show notes John, who listens to We Do a Watchmen podcast at the actual location of a Manhattan phone booth? I do. I saw this photo. It's it great. Funny. He'd send a picture of his laptop uh sitting on the the exact corner um that's so it's supposed to be downtown Tulsa, but it's Decatur, Georgia. And uh it's amazing. Tax, tax incentives are better there. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's the for it's filming the, it's the walking dead stuff. Isn't mm-hmm. isn't Decatur is that where they did the Woodbury shit too? Oh, I don't know. Decatur sounds familiar. It does. But but maybe it's just because it's a big, a big uh, town in Georgia. But yeah. I like there's, there's like, uh, there's like maybe towns in Georgia like come on in and use us for a movie set. Uh-huh. You know, we we lo- I would love it. Like shit, my neighborhood became like a a a, a, a well known movie set. Or t- I think that'd be cool as hell. Mm-hmm. You know, the traffic problems are weeks out of you know a couple weeks out of the year, but the benefits are. Watching the Blu-rays and pestering your grandkids for <laughs> generations to come. Yeah, Tara, I have two theories about why the 7K rolled up into Looking Glass's house. One, that he's on their side and they're setting a plan in motion. They're meeting up to discuss further action. Guns cocked. Do you think, so do you think Looking Glass has effectively flipped to the point that he's going to work with the 7 Calvary in some kind of greater good kind of way?
0: No, I see this ending differently. Okay. Tara... I, I see this is almost like Rorschach in prison moment, yeah, like from the movie where they're they're coming into his cell, yeah, to try and fuck him up. Yeah, that's what I expect.
1: um Tara continues her second theory is they were watching him as a stakeout and the second he retrieved the alarm system indicating that he has not been set free. They knew mm. he was acting in service of Angela or against them. Um, the other option is that three they waited until he gave them what they wanted, and now they're going to eliminate him. Uh, but Tara continues with her analysis. I believe the character is so morally good since we just got a beautiful and tragic episode exploring his internal self that he'll be acting as a double agent and ultimately thwart 7K's mission. Perhaps he's throwing Angela in jail to literally keep her safe from the catastrophic event being planned. If a funhouse saved him, a prison cell could save her. That's an interesting piece of analysis. I also... Sp- I,
0: like. Hmm. hmm.
1: We get teleporters in this. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I'm trying... I'm trying to imagine what couldn't happen now that we have teleporters.
1: That's true. Uh, I also suspect, given this episode of Valiant Rorschachian in for the character who may not live to see that he saved the planet.
0: I now, just can't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I also didn't. I, I, that's actually an interesting thing that like, being in a glass house or a, a fun house might have been the thing that saved him because it's like the reflecting yeah. kind of angle there. Maybe. I, I, I mean, I
0: was wondering why he survived, but it seems like a lot of people there's survived. There's clearly
1: some people that survived, even out in the blast. There's yeah. like one of those JWs wearing the, the Carhartt, the official JW Carhartt, right. apparently, uh, that was kind of staggered, and a few other people, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, let's move on to Chris's email. I've been meaning to write to you for a couple weeks now. I'm a 36 year old man from Tulsa and I've lived here almost 20 years. I only heard about the Tulsa race riots or massacre about two years ago. As you can imagine, it's not something that's brought up very often. I feel like I'm having one of those experiences Aaron was having on another show where so many things felt very personal and written just for him. I'm a huge fan of The Watchmen and absolutely adored The Leftovers. I put it into my top five best shows of all time. Mm-hmm. From the fact that it's taking place in Tulsa to the acoustic version of Careless Whisperer, which is by an artist called Alexander Misko, who I found on YouTube a couple of years ago around the time I first heard of The Riots. I never expected to hear him on anything but a YouTube video uh but i wonder is this show good so many things feel like they're speaking to me i feel like i can't see the forest for the trees at this point but i feel like it's kind of brilliant this is my experience with the show so far i've never experienced to be or never expected to be the next game of thrones but i'm really enjoying it i mean that's how i I remember thinking about that in the leftovers too like I, clearly it wasn't a big audience wasn't a huge audience like i don't think it ever got more than a million people watching it yeah um but I didn't give a shit because it's it's not only the, the my favorite television show, but I feel like it it was made just for me or someone like me, mm-hmm. so maybe there's only a million people in the whole world that that describes, but we really loved it collectively I mean I was
0: questioning I'm still questioning this like is this show good but like. Yeah. No, I think the show's good. It, it's episodes like this that make me go, yeah, fuck yeah, this show's is good. Um, because of it, it, just how expertly it's written. Re- yeah. Regardless, like it's just constructed well. And then music. And th- but it's episodes like the last one where they get really fucking weird yeah. constantly. And that's kind of like most of what the episode has to offer that I go, is this show good?
1: I think aesthetically, writing, sonically, everything is A+. And un- unfortunately, and this is a lot like Game of Thrones, like... I think people are waiting to see in the, the final episode to see whether all this weird shit, as yes. you say, is going to be worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my
0: only hang up at this point because I think the show is excellent in every. Other yeah,
1: because we haven't even we stopped talking about the music, but like I was thinking yeah. that like that musical cue when like Wade is sitting there, with the remote in his hand, mm-hmm. and you can hear it like this this, indu- this this industrial synth just like beating in his skull until He's he finally makes a decision. And and it cuts out. Like there's just so many smart choices sonically that the show is making. Yeah. How many different versions of Careless Whisperer? And like, I always played like at these key moments where he was reliving this traumatic event on multiple levels. It was traumatic personally. It was traumatic, uh, you know, in and the cultural and population at large. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, just just every once in a while you get one of these things and relax and and enjoy the ride uh nate after i watched episode five and listened to your discussion regarding Mandius being imprisoned in some strange world he can't escape it really reminded me of this recentish comic black hammer by jeff lemire the main superheroes in this book are similarly trapped in a strange world having difficulty escaping it wouldn't surprise me at all if lindelof drew some inspiration from this book lindelof himself being a big comic book fan and even an occasional comic book writer himself doesn't seem too far-fetched did you know Lindelof had written comic books no I didn't either and I didn't bother to verify that fact but I'm, I'm assuming you're shooting straight Nate uh this is a very popular comic he's referring to Black Hammer um and his level of weirdness is very very Lindelof there's smaller connections as well but this is a big obvious similarity might be worth looking into for where you could take the story and at the very least it's a terrific book and worth a read uh, also, Legendary Studios recently acquired their rights to Black Hammer. Is this Lindelof's next project? <laughs> um, I looked up and there was a synopsis I found that, that says, 10 years ago, Black Hammer and six other superheroes had saved Spiral City from the anti-god, but in process became trapped in Rockwood, a timeless twilight zonish town. Shortly after heroes arrive, Black Hammer dies. In the present, the six heroes live on Black Hammer Farm with very little hope of ever escaping Rockwood. <laughs> Fucking weird, man. Sounds interesting. Plus the saving of uh, a city from anti-God kind of reminds me a little bit of Dr. Manhattan. Is it going to be better or worse than Under the Dome? <laughs> I don't have an opinion on <laughs> Under the Dome. Was it bad? Yeah. Was it? Was, it? Yeah, All right. The first it's season was pretty good. But yeah. I remember I wanting to check it out because of Agent Hank Schrader. Yep. And then uh, Dean Norris there. and And I never followed through because people weren't talking about it. Uh, James has her final email. Dr. Manhattan had difficulty understanding and empathizing with humans because of his changed perspective. So he would probably fail at creating meaningfully intelligent life with purpose and a drive to explore and be curious because Dr. Manhattan just doesn't have those qualities anymore. Also, all of them are completely identical. So there wouldn't be any kind of race relation issues or arguments amongst them, like copying and pasting the same two paragraphs to make an essay. Dr. Manhattan seems to be the only person detached enough from humanity that he sees having small newborns crawl out of a lake and bake under the sun until they reach adulthood is just a fine way to start life. yeah, it's it's definitely a Manhattan thing to do to to create this prison with this artificial life and uh, when is Manhattan going to show up? What's he going to think of the situation? What's this going to be his plot, his part to play? Yeah, he's still probably
0: the biggest mystery of all of this. Like is he even going to be in this series beyond the short footage we saw of him?
1: Yeah, like is he going to be uh like literally final moments of this the of the season kind of like a little mystery that you could maybe make a season 2 on? I don't think that's satisfying. I I'm expecting yeah. him to show up and be a big part in the final act. I just can't fucking conceive.
0: I don't uh, well at some point you get far enough into this series where he's going to almost feel like a deus ex machina, right? Like a literal deus ex machina. Mm-hmm. And I don't, man, how are they going to reward that?
1: I mean, there's ways you can. I, so I think that we should have a better idea next episode because there is a natural cliffhanger here with Manius being busted by the game warden and being said yeah. that there's going to be no mercy and like, who you know if, if who who is the so like if if save me D is either Dan or Doc. We have to see that message being received and something going in motion because mm-hmm. otherwise, like I don't think Ozzy can save himself. I don't think he has the ability to get back from Earth with things he can cobble together from a herd of buffalo no. and tomato trees. I don't Absolutely think he can get back not. to Earth. So like he needs extra, and, and we need to have that being introduced to the plot. Mm-hmm. Or it will be Deus Ex Machina. So I think next episode we'll we'll have a little bit of answers about what is going on. Who Ozymandias the Savior is going to be? I mean, even even the message itself was a little bit of annoying cliffhanger. So like we, I think we'll get answers on that the next week. Um, we have to we have to have answers to that because that's got to be what propels the third arc. Yeah, the, the third, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah. And that's it. If you would like to send us more feedback, please do so at, watchman at Baldmove.com. Or again, you can get on the forums and talk with your fellow fans at forums.baldmove.com. We will be back Sunday night after the 9 p.m. airing uh, on HBO to talk about this and our Instant Take. And if you're a club member, you can join us on Instant Talk and uh, get your questions answered and your early theories aired. Uh, that'll be a good time. Check it out on baldmove.com. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron, And I'm Jim. See you next week.